Strike the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, it is Friday afternoon here on the East Coast, and it is with a heavy heart that I must report that the Ohio State Buckeyes, Chris Holtman, has finally lost a Big Ten game, Tate. It is it's a very depressing time here in Central Ohio. It feels like, honestly, like when Tony Carr banked in the three to beat Ohio State last night, it kind of felt like the season was over. It had that feel to it. Um, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about Ohio State. I know people accuse you and I of being homers and it's like talk about other stuff there are more teams than your alma maters but I don't know they're on the, uh, the Buckeyes were on a magical run there uh they, they they had the nation's heart and then uh Penn State comes in just beats the hell out of us and here we are now so I don't know we can get into that later How yeah you, what are you up to Tate nothing much I just wanted to say uh, I did feel bad when I saw t- Tony Carr you know it was like Tony Montana taking shots he it was an after hours deposit that's my favorite uh with the bank shot and after hours deposit that's a great call uh hits the big bank took it with like three seconds left that was the sad part about it it wasn't a great shot but it went in and uh you know I felt bad for you Mark Titus a lot of people on Twitter and the internet they were all reaching out saying hey how about you ask Titus if Chris Holtman's undefeated in the Big Ten now and were I, they? I was not. This gonna, was happening. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that oh. because I'm too nice of a guy. So uh, I felt bad our for you. It really me. hurt my heart. Why do our listeners hate me? I'm, this is why I'm not on Twitter, Tate. I'm taking the hiatus, and I got to say, not to be one of those douches. It's like, <laughs> hey, I'm above Twitter, and I'm better than Twitter. But it's like, I don't miss Twitter. This is like kind of awesome, not being on Twitter. I mean, I'm certainly going to be back on it because I'm a degenerate, and <laughs> I'm going to get wrote back in, and then just. <laughs> Sit on my phone for 23 hours out of the day like I, I used to do. But yeah, I've, I wasn't on Twitter. So people are hating on me. I don't like that. That's well, sad. you know, I, what did it's, I do to you people? I just want to. It's mainly like North Carolina fans that, you know, don't know. enjoy the, the, the spin zone that, that's taken a lot of time. Or times. is it Duke? Yeah, or Is Duke, it Duke or, fans. We that, should uh, say we should say this. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of pushback from the Duke faithful about our Zion Williamson podcast, and uh, we we came in hot. I mean, it, it just happened. I was ready to roll. We actually said before we started the podcast to each other that we didn't know how long it would go, but the podcast may be all Zion Williamson. It was. We thought it was an exaggeration, then it turned out that it was. And I, and I think it, it, yeah. we just had to vent, and we and that's what this podcast is about. It's just two guys that watch a lot of college basketball. Sometimes we got to get things off our chest, and I. I don't think it right. was a bad thing, but you know, to all the Duke people out there that are upset, you had the the top three players in the country coming to your school next year. Get over it, you know. Right, like literally, get over right. it. Right. I guess my, I'm gonna say I thought it wasn't all. Duke. I, I was surprised by the amount of Duke fans that were actually just like, yeah, you know, I I kind of agree with you guys, but who cares? We have the best players, so whatever. And that that's kind of what my point all along was. But um, yeah, Tay, we we made some waves. I I. I, I th- the other part was like I went on pardon my take and pretty much talked about the exact same stuff and I th- I think people were just like especially the Duke fans they were very fatigued by me talking about Duke <laughs> and in After your like power rankings the most powerful power and rankings I, you, and you I did the same the, thing yeah, you were everywhere on every platform you were just shitting on Duke for I think the week just, so it was great I think it's just too much so my my final my my I guess my parting shot and, we'll, and we will bury this until Duke lands another top recruit is that like as an Ohio State alum I would never have the audacity to pretend like. Urban Meyer is definitely not cheating. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that he is. I'm not gonna say he's, like I hope he's not. But like, if someone came to me and was like, "Hey, I feel like Ohio State football is cheating to get all these guys," I would say like, eh, prob- maybe. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I, I, I it's guess in the realm like, of possibility. You know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't be like, "How dare you present to me the evidence, sir?" I would just be like, "Yeah, you know, that, that sounds plausible to me." Um, 
So anyway, uh, Tate, I want to start with this because we kind of we kind of had a tradition going for a little while, and and I'm curious because like this is how I learn things from you. Um, we have a tra- like a Friday tradition where I start the show and and ask you what's going on, and you give me like an NBA update. So I kind of want to continue that. Like, is there anything going on in the NBA that I'm missing that? Uh, I, I, I'm not anti-NBA. A lot of college fans are. A lot of people think you have to pick one side or the other. Um, I'm not that. I, I love the NBA. It's just I don't have time. I watch two. There's too many college games going on. I don't have a ton of time to watch the NBA. But you have to watch the NBA because you have a life outside of this podcast. Um, give me an NBA update. What's like the, what's going on? I wouldn't say it's a life. I would say it's uh it's all work and no play. <laughs> uh, yeah, the NBA, the, the all-star draft. I don't know if you, you probably saw all this. A lot of people were talking about I saw this. Yeah. yeah. They split it up. So Steph Curry, LeBron James, they were the captain, Steph Curry, captain of the West, LeBron James, captain of the East. And then they proceeded to draft teams. There was a lot of people that wanted to televise the draft and LeBron and Stefan, they make their picks. LeBron, the, the big, you know, the big hubbub is that LeBron, you know, took Kevin Durant first, even though he would not confirm that. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from the draft, like no one really cares, right? No one really cares about these rosters. It doesn't matter that Kyrie's on LeBron's team. It doesn't matter that Kevin Durant's on LeBron's team. It doesn't matter that Steph's going to play with Giannis and Embiid and Clay and Draymond, whatever. No one really cares about the actual game itself because it is an exhibition after all. The thing that is the big glaring realization that I finally had was LeBron James in about 2015, 2016, when Steph was winning these back-to-back MVPs, and you can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. I mean, you're in Ohio. You know more about what's what's going on there with the grassroots of LeBron James fandom. But it seemed like LeBron had tried to get away from being Stephen Curry's friend. And, and, and like, you know, whatever you want to quantify friendship is, he had gotten away and had turned his back on Stephen Curry a little bit. And I want to point to mm. when Steph was in college in 2008, he played this game in Charlotte. They played NC State uh, at, at Time Warner Cable, which what was called Time Warner Cable Arena back then. LeBron was at the game. Steph Curry was going to be a Nike athlete. They had this whole witness campaign. LeBron had the witness shirts. Steph Curry had been pegged as the collegiate version of the witness campaign. So they had all these like wildcat witness shirts for Steph Curry. LeBron's wearing one. Curry has this amazing game against NC State. You know, hits a bunch of threes. They win this game. LeBron's getting all these, you know, you know, shots on the sideline of him cheering for Steph. That you know, he's basically said that he loves the kid and, and is going to be pulling for him for his career. But once Steph got to the to the big stage against LeBron. LeBron wins a title, wins the MVPs. LeBron gets away and is like becomes almost a rival instead of a friend. You know, we obviously saw when he made the, you know, like blocked him and stared him down and tried to punk him and all this sort of stuff. But this draft has seemed to reunite their friendship. Um, and, and they're like laughing with mm-hmm. each other. They're doing these TV spots together. And I just have to ask you, Mark, Mark Titus, as a fan of LeBron James and a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers and a fan of the state of Ohio, uh, <laughs> What 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 do you think? What do you make of this whole LeBron? Because from me, uh, the outsider perspective, I, I just don't like the whole flip flop back and forth of like the the pettiness is just too much for me with LeBron. So I, I'm I'm happy that they're first friends all, again, but it's just too much. First of all, it's hilarious how I every every friend I have that's not local, uh, I'm the Ohio guy to them. So I become like the LeBron <laughs> fanboy and. <laughs> Like get off his nuts, man! And, and that's what I, I get from people, and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, from my perspective, it's like LeBron got his, Steph has got his at this point. Like, mm-hmm. what's there's no point in like having a rivalry. I, that, that's how I feel like the whole NBA is. Like, people want to go back to the old days when everybody hated each other. You know why everybody hated each other? Is because like two teams won the titles, and I guess we're in that <laughs> same spot now 
But it was like the Lakers and the Celtics did everything. So like all, the, the of course the Pistons hated. Of course like Jordan hated the Pistons. They beat them all the time. And of course the Celtics hated. Like I don't know. People hated each other because things seemed to be one way. And now like the, the Cavs beat the Warriors. The Warriors beat the Cavs. I'm not really sure they really care anymore. It's like you know we both got ours. That's fine. I don't know. It's, that's that's how I see. It. I yeah, don't it's a, I don't, it, I don't follow it enough though. Yeah, I think the whole thing that happened was everyone said Steph Curry was the best player in the world, and I I you know I'm one of those people that. You can't really no. put those two together and say one is like you can't say he's the best player in the world. You can say he's the most entertaining yeah, basketball player in the world. Hold on, no, you no, no, no. Can. You can say LeBron Steph is definitely the best. player. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You can't make that argument that Steph is a better like, uh, like oh, LeBron okay, is okay. a physical specimen. I'm I'm saying you could say Steph Curry was the most entertaining. The brand of basketball is the most entertaining brand to watch. That could be the argument. But when all this stuff started coming out, that's when LeBron like really turned on him and soured on him. But all that aside, it seems like they're friends again. So that's pretty much the, the whole NBA update. Is LeBron and you, Steph uh, seem to have buried the hatchet. So congratulations to those, to those two guys. You. You brought up a good point about how LeBron. I was just thinking about how you said he was he was a fan of Steph when he was at Davidson, and uh, how LeBron does this with he always he, not always I shouldn't say, but it feels like he's done it enough where he gravitates towards college guys and fixates on them for mm-hmm. some reason, mm-hmm. like he did with you and I were talking about this off the air when you, uh, Shabazz Napier was the one that was like really strange. He 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 rode hard for Shabazz and wanted Shab- it, it didn't. Didn't Napier get drafted to the Heat because of LeBron? Yeah, so that that was uh yeah. So basically, LeBron, yeah, he has this whole th- weird thing where he basically fixates himself on the top player and whatever. Like the guy, like I love Buddy Hield, I love Shabazz Napier, I love Jimmer Fredette, I love Steph Curry. Whatever guys like catching everyone's attention, he, Wait, des- he, he decides. He, to- he did Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there because that would just be hilarious if LeBron was like trying to beg a team to draft Jimmer for debt for him. Uh, No, but the Napier thing was great because that's when he was leaving Cleveland, leaving for Cleveland in 2014. He said that if Miami wanted to keep him there, he needed more help and he needed help at the point guard position because we all remember Mario Chalmers was just like the guy they threw under the bus all the time or LeBron and Dwayne Wade did at least. And uh, he said he needed help at the point guard position. UConn wins that improbable championship with him and Boatwright and then he says they need uh, Shabazz Napier and then they trade not only did the Heat draft Shabazz Napier they traded up one spot because the Charlotte Hornets said they were going to draft Napier um, to play behind Kimball Walker so they traded up one spot traded they drafted PJ Harrison traded PJ Harrison for Shabazz Napier Napier ends up on the Heat LeBron James then turns and ends up on the Cleveland Cavaliers so uh, Pat, R- Pat Riley was very <laughs> upset about that pick that's funny that's great this is, this is too much NBA talk. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I'm already tired. This is too much. Um, so let's get to some games, some stories of the uh, th- that happened since Tuesday, I think is when we did our last pod. But, but the games Tuesday night we had not covered yet. So uh, I guess the big game is probably Oklahoma, Kansas. I want to I want to do the Big Ten first because I'm a homer and uh, it's my podcast. And you, and honestly, you can't stop me. So I'm going to talk about the Big Ten. Um, first, just real quickly on the Ohio State game. I sort of feel vindicated, Tate, that I said Penn State was a sleeping giant. Remember when we did that pod with Simmons and I, I brought up Penn State and no one wanted to listen to me and you guys thought I was crazy? I Penn State's better than what people think. Tony, This Tony Carr kid, like I was watching this game. I'll be honest, I didn't know who Tony Carr was before going in this game. I know he's like averaging a ton of points and he's been great all year for Penn State, but like I'm not watching Penn State, so I, <laughs> I knew of his name. I didn't know anything else about him. I swear to God, he didn't miss a shot the entire game. I, I, like the box score said, he went ten for fourteen. I swear this guy did not miss. Penn State was, they they went eleven for fourteen from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is like typical of Penn State. Like Penn State, 
if you follow Big Ten basketball, you know that Penn State has these sorts of games in them, these sorts of games in them all the time. They do this every year where they like beat teams that are ranked, that are they they, they provide head scratching things. When in on an 07, when we were the number one team in the country with with the Odin and Conley team, we played at Penn State and they had a shot to beat us at the buzzer that hit the back iron. It was like two inches away from beating the number one team in the country. Um so anyway, that was my thoughts. I just wanted to, I wanted to touch on that. I, it was a, it was a very frustrating game to watch as a fan because, uh, I don't know. It was it was sad to see the Buckeyes streak in like that. The, yeah. the refs were. It was a very physical game. We got the shit kicked out of us. Not that the refs were bad. It was just like physical, and our guys just kept looking at the refs like, "Are you going to call this?" And the refs were like, "No." And then we were like, "Ah, shit. What are we going to do now?" Then and um. I don't know. Where so, was my man anyway, Jay Sean Tate when he needed him? He was in foul trouble. Uh, yeah, Tony Carr did not miss a shot the entire time that I was watching. I will agree with uh, that. And then he hit the, then obviously Kata, the big shot. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, if you miss the game, Kata Bates-Diop just goes absolutely nuts at the end, just starts pulling threes out of his ass just to tie the game. Hits a three with like five seconds left. And then Tony Carr, hit, he he basically hit the Andrew Dockett shot against Michigan State. Yep. Like the exact same spot on the floor, exact same rim, banks it into. Uh, for the win, it was it was very deflating. So um, I don't know. Like I said, it feel it feels sort of like the the season's over. Like the whole game had like a, a mid major upsetting us in the NCAA tournament feel to it. Like when when we lost, I was like, well, shit, that that, that was a fun season. Then I had to remind myself it's January and it's we still have plenty of basketball left. So um, the other Big Ten game I want to get to, and then we'll get to the Oklahoma game because I, I really do want to talk about the Oklahoma game. But I feel like this needs to be mentioned too. Did you see Purdue Michigan? Yes, great game. A lot of fun. Unbelievable. Like, might have been the best basketball game of the year, honestly, in terms of just the quality of play. Uh, there was Both teams shot better than 60% from the field, and in a weird way, I didn't really feel like the defenses were that bad. They could have been – they obviously could have been better, but, like, both teams were just hitting crazy shots. Michigan had no answer for Haas. Um, mm-hmm. I – I love in the two games I've watched like Michigan and Purdue have played each other twice and both games were great games. It kind of came down to the wire more so the first game, but uh, Wagner versus Haas is like the greatest matchup college basketball see all year. Like neither one of those guys can guard each other and they, and they both know that the other can't guard them. And it's just so fun to watch like a, a massive mountain of a man, just be able to do whatever he wants against Wagner. But then Wagner also know that like Haas has, bricks for feet and he can't step out and guard him and he can just rain threes over him all day i, I could watch those two it, play each other it's funny that they times. are like the exact same guy but they have the like exact opposite skill sets you know when they go ahead yeah. head to head like haas is like this seven one just brute force that just can run over anyone and just basically like dunk ball shoot ball and then like wagner's like this actually skilled <laughs> big man that can like do all these shifty moves like catch the ball at the three-point line and drive and get by him and it was the it was the worst matchup for both guys defensively but great matchup offensively and it's i don't know i it made me love wagner i know that michigan lost the game but I really enjoy I feel like Wagner's had a nice like late season push you know in December we weren't talking about him very much I remember when they played uh in the Big Ten uh, ACC challenge we were kind of like what's going on with Michigan we thought they would be better with Wagner coming back but they seem to be hitting their stride a little bit I, I know they obviously lost this game but they played really well they could have easily won the game and I, I know you love Purdue and what you saw with Purdue I, you you seem to be all on those guys I, well there's a th- I wrote about this in my power rankings with Purdue. There's there's just a certain 
indescribable vibe around Purdue that I've never, I mean, I grew, I was born and raised in Indiana. My mom, as I've said on the pod a hundred times, but she loves it when I do. So I'm going to say it again, is like a Purdue basketball legend. She's in like the hall, every hall of fame that exists for Purdue basketball. So I am, I've been acutely aware of Purdue my entire life. And I've kind of had my finger on that pulse. And there is like a, just a vibe around the program that has, that has, I've never seen. Like even during the Hummel era, when, when Purdue was top five, uh, felt like a couple years in a row, certainly the one year before Hummel tours ACL at Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, but going back, like, I, I mean, I was, I was kind of too young for the Glenn Robinson thing, but I also sort of remember it. And like Purdue had some good teams in the late nineties. There has never been anything like this where just the vibe in Mackey arena, you can just kind of like tell the fans know that something special is happening. And, the the thing that I like it too, and I, I made this point in the power rankings today, was it, it, I feel like watching Purdue fans, it feels like I felt cheering for the Cubs in 2016, where that year the Cubs won the World Series. I knew from day one the Cubs were going to win the World Series. Like there's just something about it. I said this is the year. I know I know we say this is the year every year, but I swear to God this is the year. Like it just feels right. And then like as the season progressed, I became more sure of that. And it feels to me like Purdue fans are kind of on that progression where they're like 70% there. And it's just, as the season progresses, they just keep talking themselves into it more. Like this has to be the year we have to go to the final four. We have to finally win a national title so we can put a real banner in the, in our arena instead of the 1932 bullshit fake championship banner that they hang in there now. And Purdue fans, you know, that is a a fake title. Um, like there's just some there's just something about it and it's kind of like cool like even as someone like me who I I grew up not liking Purdue I I don't really care that much now I I have a ton of great inter- interactions with the fans I know a lot of a lot of my friends are Purdue fans um so like I'm kind of neutral towards them now but it's just it's pretty cool to see just something happen in there I don't know if that makes any sense Tate but that's that's just the only thought I have is like I just got like I've I've talked myself into Purdue actually winning the national title. Like I, I really can actually picture that, and that, and to hear those words out of my mouth sounds completely insane to me. Well, I tell you this: I do miss one guy when I watch this Purdue team, and I, it's one guy that if he was still there, they would win the national title, and I would guarantee it. And with with Swanee not there, with Swanigan not on that team, I don't know. I, it just hurts my heart because if he was there with this whole squad, with the Edwards and Edwards, I love the Edwards and Edwards campaign. I love Haas, but if they had Swanigan, I would just say it's a wrap. They're definitely going to do it because they have all the pieces around them now. And it, what really hurts is that Swanigan, obviously, we you know he got drafted, and that's great, and that's what he should have done. But if he was on this team, like because he's not getting the playing time with Portland right now, so if he was just back on this team, I, I feel like there should be some sort of exemption that if you go a year early and you have one year left, if, if you're not playing, if you're in the G League, instead of sending them down to the G League, we can just send them back to college. Some, yeah. Just send just send Swanee back to this team because uh yeah, they're they're really fun to watch. And we you know, all, all the Purdue fans, they love just, you know, tweeting and talking about their team. So uh, well I, I, good for the boilermakers. Yeah. So it's it's I don't know. It's just it's kind of cool. I don't know. It's it's why to me college it Purdue, if for those who don't know, like Purdue has not been to a Final Four since nineteen eighty. They have not been the Elite Eight since two thousand. Mm-hmm. They they pack a Mackey Arena all the time. They do have a great fan base. Um and and this is like and they they lead the Big Ten. This is probably surprising to you, Tate. Purdue has won more Big Ten titles than any other program in the Big Ten. They are number one. Um, wow. Which I I don't think people around the country would realize that. So there's like a history there, and they're 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 kind of low key tortured. Um, Purdue fans would say it's not low key, but like nationally, people probably don't think like Purdue fans. Man, they've had it rough, but they kind of had had it rough. And um, 
I don't know. It's just kind of cool. Like I was watching it last night. I was, you, you see like Vince Edwards towards the end of the game. He just starts putting his hand up. He's like, come on, everybody stand up. And you see just like these, these 80 year olds getting out of their seats, just shaking their <laughs> fists. And you just kind of tell that they're like, I was, I was 16 the last time I saw a good Purdue team. This is so exciting. You know, and like, um, I don't know. I, I'm sure the bathrooms at Mackey arena are just, are just out of this world right now. They're, they're, they're going to take all this NCAA tournament revenue and make even nicer bathrooms. Um, Inside joke for those who are listening. You're a big bathroom like fan at Mackey Arena. Our, you love, you love the bathrooms. That's love, why you keep talking uh, about them. Uh, yeah, I, I love. Uh, I like Matt Painter too. I feel like Matt Painter is the perfect uh, balance between a good guy and a bad guy, um, which is what you Matt want. Painter, right in yeah. the middle. Matt Matt Painter has been like a punchline forever, and um, yeah, he almost let he remember when he like almost took the Missouri job mm-hmm. and then came back. Yeah, well, he teased them out. He just had a, it was for more, it was yeah, for more money, right? He was basically like, you know, yeah, I could, more money. I could take this. But, they want me. He's had kind of a strange career. Um, I, I like he, he's he's sort of hard to put your finger on him. Is is he he's the Scott Drew of the Big Ten? Is he a good coach? Is he not? <laughs> People don't really know. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I don't know. Just the whole the whole thing is cool to me. I don't really know how else to describe it. It's just like I was watching the game. I just started having feelings that I just had never felt about Peru before. I was like, man, this is actually kind of neat. So uh, let's move on. This is getting weird. I don't like talking about. <laughs> You're falling in love with Purdue over and over again. It's great. I'm just, letting, I'm just letting you write like, it out. It's a lot of fun. It's good for the Purdue um, fans out there. Let's talk about the actual game of the week, which was Oklahoma beating Kansas in Norman. When Bill Self just what 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 is Bill Self doing? Uh, it's the question everyone wants to know. Bill Self leaves Udoka Azubuke <laughs> in the game, lets him shoot. I want to say six free throws. Yep. He, he got he gets fouled like four times, misses six free throws. Kansas is up by two with less than four to play and and Oklahoma goes to the hack a shack whatever the equivalent is uh for Azabuke and makes him shoot free throws and self just sits there and lets it happen and and the explanation he gives after the game is that he wanted to give his guy confidence I kind of respect that maybe you give him confidence up until he misses like I don't know three in a row four in a row maybe maybe at that point you're like okay that's enough confidence let's win the game now um but no he leaves him in Kansas then uh, only scores two points in the final four minutes and loses by five at Oklahoma. So, let's talk. State. Let's talk about the the reaction from the Kansas faithful to the whole situation. So, Bill Self has come out. He said that you know it it was a mistake on his part. We we all understand that. He he kind of just admitted his fault. Um, he missed six free throws in the final four minutes. They lose eighty five eighty. Whatever, whatever. We we all understand. Did you see the the KU fan uh, going to the dorm and trying to offer free throw advice? Yeah. Now that yes. is fandom. Now that is trying to like instead of just being negative and being upset and blaming everyone else, that's trying to create a solution to a problem. That is problem solving 101. This guy is like, you know what? Azabuke can't shoot. We can't have a hackadoke situation, which I do like that they already have a name for it, hackadoke. And we got to go out there and figure this thing out. Um, and they asked Bill Self about it, and he was like, if it was Rick Barry, I'm all ears. You know, if he's going to go underhand and teach him how to do that, like pull the Andre Drummond, I'm all about it. But obviously, this person—they just wanted to help. So, you know, that fan—I would just say that they're—they're they're trying to handle the problem. I mean, it's a little weird to go to the dorm and yell at the guy from outside. Uh, but you know, poor Azabuke—he just ends up being the the butt of the joke for everyone. Need- and, and somehow Trey Young has come out as the winner. Is like the 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 thing that came out of this game instead of like Kansas blowing it and leaving in Azabuke and missing free throws. Everyone's like Trey Young figured out how to play with his teammates. Way to go, Trey Young! Everyone was like offering their apologies to Trey Young, and I don't know really how that happened. I mean, er- like Kansas should have won this game, but somehow 
you know, it's all come full circle to, to Trey Young has figured it out. So I, I know we love Trey Young. So congrats to Trey for that. Yeah. We need to get that. We need to get that guy that went to the dorm on the podcast yes. and ask him what he was trying to do. If anyone call. knows just, him, I, please. I, I need to, I just want to hear what his, what he was trying to, what information he was trying to relay. Like, was he going to just bang on the door and wait till Azabuke showed up and then just be like, hey, man. Uh, try making them next time. Like, is that it? Is that <laughs> is that all his advice is going to be? Or is it? Was he a beef guy? You you a beef guy, Tate? You do the balance eyes elbow follow through guy? Of course. Like, I, I remember having that on a t shirt back in the nineties. Oh, that's great. Beef. That's and, perfect. Uh, that yeah. that's so fundamental in Indiana basketball. That's beautiful. Yeah. Balance eyes elbow <laughs> follow through. Um. So yeah, America. You brought up Trey Young. Let's talk about Trey Young a little bit. Mm-hmm. America is getting whiplash from the Trey Young takes uh he's he's selfish he shoots too much he's ruining college basketball the media is on his dick why don't you go why don't you get off his dick why don't you get off his dick espn um and then suddenly he shoots nine times and has 26 points and nine assists mm-hmm. and his t- and now it's like what now what do we say about him and now we love it and oh we're, we're sorry trey we didn't mean that uh we actually like you um i've been firmly pro trey on this whole time the one thing it I guess like it is a little weird that he shot 39 times and then shot nine times. And the the comparison, I think like the comparison you want to make is Kobe and say that he's just kind of like a gunner that doesn't want to, you know, he's just out there to get his. And sometimes it helps his team. Sometimes it doesn't, but it's more of like a Russell Westbrook thing where like, you can't tell if his teammates suck or not. And like, sometimes it's justified. Like the game's, like the game against Oklahoma State, it sort of felt justified to me that he shot thirty nine times because mm-hmm. his teammates were trash that game. Yeah, like nobody can make pass a shot. It to him, yeah. bl- like Christian, they're James. blowing wide yeah. open shots. Yeah, but then like the Kansas game, you watch and they're not winning that game unless like his teammates are hit. I mean, Manic Brady, literally Larry Bird, Manic um, <laughs> was raining threes. He hits that game winner with the hand, the the hand covering the camera. Uh, the the fan puts his hand up and you can't even see the ball go through the net because the camera. <laughs> There's a fan blocking the rim, um, but yeah, like like against Kansas, Trey Young's not winning unless his teammates step up. So like I'm stuck in the spot where I guess part of trying to understand if Trey Young is selfish and doing too much and is taking terrible shots, I first need to understand how good his teammates are, and I I still haven't really figured that out yet because they're kind of inconsistent. Well, of course, but then it's like he has then, to, is, he, is that is that Trey's part? Is that Trey's fault that they're inconsistent because they sit there with their hands with their thumb up their ass for thirty eight minutes <laughs> and then he throws in the ball and is like, "Hey, hit this big shot!" And they're like, "What? Where where did this come from?" So well, I, it's it's like a chicken egg thing. Of course, I mean, and he plays forty minutes. Like he didn't come out in this game. In this Kansas game, Trey Young was on the floor the entire game, and that I thought that was what was so remarkable about it that he played the entire game and only took that many shots. the The thing to me with Trey Young and the thing that concerns me right now is that he is so. Like what you said, I mean, he's in every single media conversation about college basketball. He's already been anointed. So every time that you talk about college basketball, you have to talk about Trey Young and everyone has their own opinion on it. When he takes 39 shots, it's he's taken too many shots. And as soon as they wrap this game up, you know, he, he said that, you know, he's already like responding. He's like, so I just want to show everyone that I don't have to take shots for our team to win. This is a great win for our right. team. It's like, Trey Young, don't worry about all the noise, man. You don't need to listen to all that crap. Right. Like, like don't, don't play 
in a reactive way to what people were saying about you and, and, and all the, I mean, obviously he sees it all and you know, these are young kids and they're on Twitter and their own Instagram or whatever they're on. And they see all this stuff. And I don't know, it, it, it just weirded me out that all these writers after this game were like tweeting at Trey young, like Trey young proved me wrong today, blah, blah, blah. And he was like retweeting and <laughs> responding to it. And like, you know, right. like I did my thing. Thanks so much. And it's like, Trey, don't worry about that. Just get buckets. Like you're, you're a national player right. right now. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's so can I can I kind of do a broader complaint here? It it is absolutely maddening to me how people complain it, and it's mostly people complain about ESPN that does this, but it's the media at large they complain that does this. How the media fixates on w- one player and it's like why geez ESPN, why are you talking about Trey Young so much? This is ridiculous. And some guy I saw like like some guy was tracking how many mentions Trey Young had during the the broadcast and people are complaining that they're talking about Trey Young and other broadcasts. And this happens with like every other sport. It's like, man, all ESPN wants to do is talk about LeBron and all they want to talk about is and, and of course you want to talk about Trey. Like Trey Young is is literally doing things that no one in a hundred, what, how long have we been playing college basketball? 120 years or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is doing things that literally no player in 120 years has ever done. Ever, ever, ever. Every single guy going back to the, the 1892 guy who was, was seven foot tall and averaged 64 points a game because he was like basically Wilt Chamberlain, who I'm describing now. Like every single one of these players going back to, history and the hundreds of thousands of college basketball players that exist no one has ever done what Trey Young did, has, is doing right now and people complain like why are we talking about him what about my guy on my team he's pretty good too it's like no the guy on your team sucks ass compared to like I don't know it's very confusing to me of course you talk of course you talk about LeBron all the time like LeBron might be the greatest basketball player to ever live why should we not talk about Ooh. it's it's very it's very confusing to me, Tate. <laughs> it is very confusing. I I, I, do, I understand the sentiment of like, can we just get talk about something else and, and figure this whole thing out? And, you know, if you're watching a golf highlight and they're like, this guy's like the Trey Young of putting. I mean, you're like, OK, we get it. That's Trae a Young's little really different. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's yeah. a different conversation. But I, I just more feel bad about Trey Young having to respond to people. And, you know, we, we, we mentioned the LeBron thing at the top of him, like picking players and coordinating players. He's like already... Uh, doing this whole like recruitment of Trey Young to his, you know, whatever agency that Rich Paul has, you know, he's already trying to get him on clutch sports um, and like retweeting yeah. Trey Young videos and like being like, I've known this young brother since he was in ninth grade and, you know, I've seen him grow. And I, if you don't know Trey Young now, you'll know him soon and all that stuff. So, I mean, Trey Young, you're going to be fine. You know, everyone is already watching you and, and, and no one's trying to poke fun and pick at your game and like make you feel incompetent because you're. Like you said, unbelievable. We know it. I, yeah. I, I just don't need the scrutiny to, to leak over into the actual basketball because that's what's happening right now, and I right. don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Uh, two other shout-outs I want to give to to from the Oklahoma-Kansas game. One to um, kid on Oklahoma, Matt Freeman, who kept fouling Azubuke. <laughs> yes. He played, he, played, he played two minutes and fouled out. <laughs> it was a trillion, <laughs> they brought right? Him, they basically just... Well, I guess he got fouled. Well, he, he got, got fouls. five yeah, fouls. Yeah, 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 the fouls. Yeah, that's great. They brought him in and he fouled. That's that's incredible. What a what a great what a great. He's gonna be telling that story the rest of his life. He played two and, minutes, I mean, right? He played. He fouled out in two minutes. He played. He played two minutes and fouled out. But he actually <laughs> he actually like won the game for them indirectly. Like his fouls won the game for him. So it wasn't like he sucked. It wasn't like he you know. It's the it's the only occasion I've ever heard where a guy played two minutes, fouled out, and did a fantastic job. <laughs> Good for <laughs> he him. He was killing it. He was yeah. killing. It. Uh, and then, and then the other the other shout I want to give is to Tom Crean, who 
I'm falling more in love with this man calling basketball games. I, I don't know how closely you were paying attention, Tate, to the Kansas game, but he was pulling the Tony Romo and just calling plays before they happened, oh. left and right. He like he had Kansas. He especially seemed to have Kansas's playbook studied because IU had played Kansas last year. Um, but he knew he knew everything that was coming and just was calling it out left and right, and it was so awesome. And uh, I I really want to watch Tom Crean call more games, but unfortunately. I guess this leads to the next thing I kind of want to talk about. <laughs> well, how upset um, how upset is Seth Greenberg and Jay Williams when they watch that and see that, you know? That because that just basically undermines everything that they're doing cuz they're doing like the general like, you know, college basketball, Trey Young is good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Tom, Tom Green's like calling out like specific <laughs> plays. <laughs> hey folks, you see about you see this Trey Young kid? What about him? <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna put funny. my I'm gonna put my diaper dandies in tears. Here we go. We got Trey Young at the top. You see this kid, folks? Check this kid out. He's, He's a good. dandy. He can play ball. Next up, He's DeAndre Ayton, another dandy. Uh, ayton. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> folks, check this. You're gonna want to check this kid out too. Doing some good things over there in Arizona. It's <laughs> a hardworking kid. Uh, but so so Green's killing it at ESPN, and I guess that leads to what I want to talk about next. Tate, did you see this news mm. that UConn? is investigating, doing an internal investigation of Kevin Ollie for recruiting situation going on. Yeah. That we don't have a ton of details on this, but news just broke uh, within, I think it was like late last night, maybe? Yeah, it was. Li- um, yeah, I saw it early this morning when I woke up. It was like the first thing that, that popped Kevin up. That yeah. Kevin Ollie, who, I mean, if we're being generous, we would say he's on the hot seat just for performance reasons. Um, he's already kind of under coming under fire in stores. Uh, he's now being investigated for recruiting violations. And the reason, obviously, the segue, I I brought up the segue, the reason it's a segue is because, Tate, I've been saying it for weeks now, Tom Crean will be the next coach of UConn at this time next year on January, whatever today is, 2019, Tom Crean will be coaching UConn. You heard it here first. Book it, Tate. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. I've never been more sure of anything. This investigation makes me more sure of it. Um, It's... This is not going to end what like Ollie's definitely going to get fired. Yes. They're either like they're either going to find something from this investigation or they're going to be like, "Eh, we didn't find anything, but you still suck, so get out of here." Um one the, of the two is happening. The biggest revelation I saw from this story with Ollie is just that he has this just cause in his contract with basically saying if if they can void his contract, his his Yukon contract and he got I don't know what the exact specifics were. You may know this, but when he won the title, he got some sort of big extension, right? Like 4 or 5 years or something like that. At UConn, yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, yeah, I can't. You do get an extension, yeah. of course. Like when you when you win a title, of course you get a contract extension, and everyone pays you more money. But he has some sort of weird language in his contract that it, it, his contract can be voided with just cause, and obviously recruiting violations is just cause to void a contract. So it seems like UConn has an out here, and they've been looking for an out. I mean, I know a, quite a few UConn fans personally that have told me millions of you know over the past two years that they want to get rid of Kevin Ollie. They were like, I don't even care if I could give back the 2014 title, I would to get rid of Ollie and I was like oh my god this is this is on another level um so and with this it just seems like it's going to take it over the edge and and if they can get out of this contract with Ollie it's pretty much a done deal at this point but I I just think it's sad because I I started looking at the names of guys that that went to UConn under Ollie like big name recruits that I just forgotten like you know when a Rodney Purvis you know transferred there what whatever it was like none of these teams that Ollie has they seem to they can't score over 70 points for some reason and if they do it's like 71 uh, and and I thought that they would be an offensive team with with some of the guys they brought in over like Altery Gilbert. I mean, I know he's dealt with injuries, but as I went through the list, I was like, I can't believe you know you 
UConn can't put some together. They got screwed with the whole conference realignment. We understand that and, and get w- w- what's going on with that. But the fact that they can't win that conference every year and, and give themselves a tournament bid automatically is, uh, you know, it, it's just not good enough. So you just. You just reminded me of uh, the the worst thing I've ever written as a college basketball writer in the however many years I've been doing this six seven something like that. Mm-hmm. The worst thing I ever I've ever written was when Purvis transferred from NC State to UConn. I I I remember right. It wasn't like a whole article, but it was like a little section of an article I wrote uh, something about Purvis and how. He's gonna thrive at UConn because he got out of the toxic environment of Mark Godfrey and like he's going he's going to play for a great I don't think I said a great coach I just said he's like around a, a winning program yeah. he's gonna be taught like he, he's he's there's a long lineage of great guard play and like he's gonna be taught he's gonna learn the ways of of UConn and I was like this is and 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 Pack Pride ripped me to shreds and I was like just wait you guys just wait so I want to I want to issue a formal apology to Pack Pride and the thing about it was that was actually the right way to look at it at the time because it did make sense because you would have had all these Mm -hmm. guards go through it was like the Kimba guards that went through and then obviously Napier and Boatwright I mean it was a whole little ride so you were like Purvis is the perfect guy for that you know that that's his system that's what he does and it just didn't work so Crean is now in Connecticut working for ESPN. Yep. Uh, he's right there. Yep. He's taking the job. If the viol- if, if violations happen, if we find out that UConn's going to get sanctioned or or whatever in some capacity, uh, Crean has experience with this Tate. He's taken over a program that's won multiple national titles that was hit with sanctions. He's done that. I personally, I hope nothing happens. I don't want recruiting violations. One, because like I want UConn to be good again. Exactly. It's, it's more fun when they're good. Yeah. But two, I kind of. I don't. I, I can't off the top of my head think of a coach who has won a national title and was fired from that same school without some sort of off court problem. You know, like was basically fired for sucking after winning a national title. Tubby Smith in, in basketball. I mean, I think Tubby technically left. Yeah, I think Tubby, yeah, yeah, that's like, right. He got like ahead he of it. I think he, he knew that they oh. were going to fire him, and he got ahead of it. That was smart. The one, the one I th- I can think. Of, uh, I think Nolan Richardson was technically fired at Arkansas, mm. but his was like. His was like a resigning firing. It was like, I, 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 don't, I, if I remember right, and I might be speaking out of term, but I, I want to say like he didn't like the administration and was basically, they were bu- basically butting heads. And he was like, well, why don't you fire me, pussy? And then they're like, <laughs> all right, I guess we will. <laughs> oh, I got one. Steve Fisher, right? Don't we get, I, don't we get Steve I Fisher in Michigan? Well, no, because he got he, he got caught up. In oh the Ed yeah, well, the, yeah, well, like, obviously the NCAA. The, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is the uh, I'm, I'm saying like I don't I don't know of a coach who's won a national title and then got fired for for no sanctions, no mm. you know moral thing. Like it wasn't like he got arrested or you know I don't you know what I'm saying. Like nothing off the court. It was just more like yeah, you won us a national title, but you suck now, so get out of here. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's ever happened. So that would be interesting. I would I would love for that to actually happen, but quickly. Before we move on, let's talk about uh, seats and tickets and games and things to see. And that is our sponsor, SeatGeek. All right, Titus, and you know this, I know this, especially in Los Angeles. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy. With SeatGeek, SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team. Just like you going to see the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James, your favorite player. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals and to get you the most bang for your buck 
I don't know if that phrase still holds up today. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on the value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners of One Shining Podcast get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code OSP today. That's promo code OSP for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat right now, right from your phone. What else do we got, Titus? Hotel tonight? Tate. Tate, I got a fun fact for you. Yes. Unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. Oh, wow. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their own unsold rooms, which means you, Tate, I'm talking to you, Ooh. get amazing deals. Yes. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect for if you're busy or don't want to overthink things. I am both of those. Plus, you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week, tonight. Book next month, tonight. Book Valentine's Day, tonight. Tonight. It's great for last-minute getaways or a quick staycation, whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute. And with Hotel's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. First, I want to talk. I, I I had this thought. I, I wanted to have a quick discussion about this because I just I don't know. It's Friday and and you and I get casual and we just talk about whatever we feel like. Um, do you care about conference races anymore? <laughs> because I, I guess I'll I'll offer my thoughts first and then mm. you can chime in. Uh, I guess my thought is Ohio State lost. Yeah, I, Purdue was undefeated. I was gonna say now. I think this is coming from like a personal place, which I really appreciate. But uh, yeah, that, that's such a large hmm, and limited question. Yes, interesting exactly. timing. Hmm. Interesting timing there, Titus. With the uh, I no longer care about the. Did you write um, that down as no, soon as Tony was, Carr hit that big yeah. shot? Do I care? Yeah, I Am like, I sure I, I care? I, yeah, the Big Ten's dumb anyway. Um, <laughs> no, but I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking about like, I always cared about the conference. I've always cared about who wins the big 10 when I was growing up, it was like winning the big 10 was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Even, even now, like the, the I, I start out, if I was to brag to people about things that I quote unquote did in my basketball career, I would say I won the big 10 twice before I said final four or anything else. So like I, I've been trained to think that conferences are awesome or, or very important. And I feel like it's sort of lost its luster in a weird way. Like I, I, I feel like I, I, I personally, I, like like Villanova is going to win the Big East to me. That's not interesting to me anymore. Like Kansas wins the Big Twelve. That's not really interesting. I look at all these conference races, and I don't know if it's that it sort of feels like a, a sense of inevitability with these things, or or not. There are certainly conferences that are good. Like the Big Twelve is actually a, a great race right now. Kansas is up one game on I think four different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the SEC is an absolute mess, and no one has any idea what's going to happen there, and that's pretty awesome. But I don't feel like there's an excitement around it. I don't. I don't think anybody outside the SEC is like, "Ooh, man, who's going to win the SEC?" That's that's pretty exciting. Keep an eye on that one. Um, am I alone in this, Tate? No, I don't think you're alone. I think what happened was, I mean, at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I felt like at least back in the aughts, like the 2000s, when you know, mid 2000s, early 2000s, that whole run, the, for the most part, when we had the Big East, it was it was as if 
first of all, the Big East had so many teams that it was it was like you were just waiting for the Big East tournament. So that was the big thing. It was like we want to see who the top nine teams are, and then we'd watch the Big East tournament and see all the crazy melee. So that tournament mattered to everyone. And then the regular seasons of the Big Ten and the ACC, and I mean, to a certain level, I guess the the SEC, and then obviously the Big Twelve as well. The, all those conferences, like it mattered who was ranked at the end because it, it would lead to obviously you know being a one seed. If you won the ACC regular season, you had a chance to be the one seed. But the tournaments. And and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I I feel like we lost the the tournament that I I thought stood alone as the greatest tournament we had leading into the NCAA tournament, which is the Big East tournament. And once that went away, yes. uh, you know the real Big East. Once yeah. that once that left us, you know it's like we lost this premier tournament that really mattered to everyone. And now every other conference has tried to mimic the 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 big stage of the Big East tournament by you know the ACC wants to be in Brooklyn we talked about you know your boy Delaney wanting to be up in New York and he changed the whole Big Ten regular season schedule just so he can do that for the tournament so everyone's trying to chase this this money maker which is the tournament and now people try to favor the tournament as who did, who dictates who was the actual winner of the conference when in reality you yes. know I mean at least for me I've always viewed the regular season as as, as who actually wins the conference not the tournament itself. The ACC is that way, right? Like they, whoever wins the the tournament is the uh, conference champion. No, technically. It, like they well, don't, I mean, it, it's the regular well, season. But but I mean, if you talk to a Duke fan, they no, will say I that. Think, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think literally like because I because I say this all the time. I'm like I I just I mean I I I put something on Twitter not that long ago when Duke lost at NC State. I was like Duke hasn't won the ACC in eight years, and and people were like, well, technically the ACC tournament is the champion. And um, but you make it you make a great point that the tournaments have become. And, and it's have become like a bigger deal. And I guess that's kind of the point I'm bringing up is like, I miss when the regular season mattered and, and, and conference realignment certainly factors into this when you have all these with, with so with all these bloated conferences. Now the big 10 has 14 teams the, mm-hmm. the ACC has what? 15, 14. Yeah. 15, Um, 15. It's just, it's, it's harder to care as much because it used to be like a tight knit thing. I guess that's probably why the big 12 is like so exciting. Even though Kansas wins it all the time is they got a true round Robin. Um, I don't know. I, I guess like we don't really need to get into it that much. I was just kind of just felt like bringing it up because this to me is the time of year where you start looking at standings and start saying like, oh, okay, this is interesting. You start like like you look at a game like Duke Virginia mm-hmm. on Saturday, and you're like, man, this is this has huge ACC implications. Like if Virginia wins this one, they win the ACC, and this is this is a big time. And I don't really feel that. I feel like the stakes are like a one seed. Like that's what they're playing for, and like. <sighs> whoever wins this comes out looking like a true national title contender, you know, like those feel like the stakes to that game to me, not whoever wins this is, is in a great spot for the ACC title. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It does feel like if you went to someone in 2007 and you said, Hey, Virginia is eight. No, in the ACC in 2007, that would be the biggest storyline. And we'd all be talking about it. And there'd be a countdown to see when Virginia was going to lose in the ACC. And now it's almost like a a sidebar conversation to the fact that Virginia hasn't won at Duke. And, you know, since like the 1990s or 1995 or something like that, that's like the big thing. instead of, you know, they're, they're undefeated in the ACC and, and even like the big 10, it's like Purdue is undefeated in the big 10. Ohio, State was undefeated. If, if I didn't do this podcast with you, I would not even, you know, I mean, I would kept yeah, up with a little cared. bit, but like, you know, be, nobody's talking about that. All these undefeated teams. And literally, conference. literally nobody. I've, I've not seen a single person talk about whether Michigan State can catch Purdue in the Big Ten because <laughs> yeah. like nobody cares. Yeah. But that that to me would be like super interesting. Ten years ago, I'd be saying, OK, Michigan State, they're I think they're like two and a half back now of Purdue. Mm-hmm. Like they, they still have to play each other. So let's see, like, can they beat them and maybe... 
but no one cares. It's like it doesn't matter. We're we're all focused on as you said, the tournaments are are the bigger deal now. Both of them, the conference tournament and the the NCAA tournament, and it just kind of makes like this part of the season not as fun, I guess. Because this was always fun to me. It was like every game matters, and and it still does because it matters for NCAA tournament seeding purposes and and all of that. Uh, I'm not saying that the games don't matter anymore, but it used to. You could feel the weight of every game and understand. And I don't know. And I, I, again, this is really this is really convenient timing for me to bring this up because I'm sure <laughs> Purdue fans were like just pumping their fists as Ohio State lost last night, and they're like, "Yes, it helps our Big Ten chances." But uh, I don't know. I I just it. it just around the country, I, I just kind of look at all these other like Villanova's in a tight race with Xavier, but I sort of feel like Villanova's going to win it. And even if they don't, do I really care that much? And um, I don't know. And how much do they t- take stock in, in winning the Big East? You know, uh, I just want to say yeah. I, I do blend the committee a little bit. I think that just the way that they weight things nowadays, um, just the fact that you know, I'll give an example. Last year, like when North Carolina won, wins a regular season, they make it to the AC tournament final. They lose to Duke in that final game, and then a whole week, you know, we talked about on the podcast last year. It, it, the whole narrative was Duke won the ACC and they were going to be the one seed over Carolina. And and they what finished right. fifth in the ACC, so it's like it's this weird thing now where the tournaments weigh so heavily on the committee too that uh, I think it's just trickled down, and now we're seeing yeah. uh, how that's played out, which kind of sucks. Yeah, that was just a that was just an observation I had. I just felt like I liked this it. Was yeah, I don't know. So let's get to the fun stuff. We have we have some manager stories. The dirty laundry segment. I, I just want to say, if you're just now tuning in, we're this is a segment we're going to do every Friday. We're it it, it was. It, it was a ton of fun, a huge success the first time we did it. Uh, we had a ton of stories, and we encourage we're, we're, everybody who's listening that wants to, to chime in, send your manager stories to our Twitter account, at OneShiningPod. Um, we opened up the direct messages, so you can just send us there. That's how we we're going to do it, partly because we want to keep them short, but also we're just too lazy to, to set up an email account or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> One day. Send your stories. Send your stories there. And as a reminder, we are not trying to like throw anybody under the bus. The segment is called Dirty Laundry, but it's like, not meant to to go after specific people for for one like we we just don't want to put the 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 people sending our store the stories in in a bad spot but two we don't want legal problems because i don't know we don't, we don't have any sort of budget to defend ourselves <laughs> these, these coaches that were grilling we'd be done we'd be done right <laughs> then so we, please please we god done. please don't don't say names don't make us libelous don't make us slander anyone thank you so much so, so yeah. With that out of the way, you ready to get into this tape? Oh, I'm ready. I'm, so, I'm All ready. Right. I'm so ready to roll. Here's the first. Here's a, here are the stories. My cousin was a manager at a mid-major school. The night before they played a top twenty-five opponent, one of their starters' girlfriends for about three years dumped him. He went out and played pissed off and had his best game of the year, and they won the game. Turns out the head coach had one of his assistants contact his girlfriend, log into her Instagram, and DM him to get him pissed off for the game. They were back together the next day. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So I, I should say we have a lot of stories because these are all these are great. These are fantastic. I, I love this. We we should just do the whole pod. Like, I don't even know why we. Kyle, go go delete the rest of the pod. We're just gonna make the whole pod. We're just gonna make the whole pod manager stories because they they do get better tape. Oh my! God. Here's another one. I, I was a manager for four years at a prominent program. After graduating, I moved away from the city, but was close to another city in which I could I would get to see my guys play whenever they came out that way. One weekend, they were in town, so I drove up for the weekend and crashed with the current managers at the team hotel. Myself and a few former players went out the night before the game. I got severely banged up and lost my way getting back to the hotel 
This was the pre-Uber days. Cops picked me up and brought me to the hotel, but since my name wasn't on the list of the traveling party, the hotel couldn't verify me. They called the room of the head coach at 3 a.m. He comes down, takes one look at me, shook his head, and said, he's ours. Thankfully, they won the next day. About a year later, the coach released a book about his first season as a head coach, and that story got mentioned in the book. Oh, that's a really good one. I'm trying to think about who that coach would be. It, we're, I guess we're in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, right? You know, because no Ubers. It's, per, it's per, I I know exactly who it is. I, I have a hundred percent, and and I'm not saying this because I actually know. By the way, this is speculation. Um, I think it's Calipari because of my That's guys. My, like, as soon as I heard my guys, he said, I was like, he Ooh. said my guys of the story. Yeah, I think that was a little like <laughs> that was a little dog whistle to us. It was like. <laughs> The my guys and the timeline matches up pre Uber days. That yeah. would be Cal, right? Yeah, the exact, like yeah. two thousand eight, two thousand nine, something like that. Yeah. But by the way, Cal Cal didn't do anything bad there. He just comes down. He's like, yeah, that's my guy. No, it kind of makes it, it so. makes me like Cal. You know, because he could have just came yeah. down. And say, when he, when you said he shook his head, I yeah. thought he was like, no, I don't know this guy, <laughs> and, and just sit him <laughs> right. sit him away like a like a dog or something. But I'm glad he helped him out. Way to go, Coach Cal. My guys for life. I was a manager at a ma- mid major school. Every New Year's Day, we had early practice a few times. Guys showed up hungover, but every year without fail, one of the assistants would show up with bloodshot eyes and smelling something awful. He would just lean against the padded base of the hoop on one end of the court the entire practice. The same coach would also turn the other way when guys would sneak out on road trips, especially on a road trip to Toronto in our preseason international trip. Five guys snuck out. Coach saw them in the lobby, turned his back, and ended up meeting them at the strip club and paying for the taxi. <laughs> That's amazing. Good for them. Good for that coach. Oh my god. For the kids. I, I don't. I, I think we should not try to figure out which coach that. Yeah, one was. I don't want to guess that coach. I, I don't. That, that's a slippery slope. That's uh, a that's a slippery. Yeah. The same guy, by the way, said. Uh, he said we had a we had a road double header one time with the women, and at halftime of the women's game, we played a shooting contest to win a hundred dollars. I had a half court shot to win a hundred dollars from the other team's athletic department, and we also swept them on the road. So I thought that was pretty. Funny. That's pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah. He stole he stole money from yeah. He's a manager <laughs> of the visiting team, wins the promotion, and then they kick your ass and and take the money and run. Um, I was a manager at a Big Ten school with a high profile coach. This was a lawless time. The coach was checked out. The players routinely routinely drank and smoked themselves into oblivion <laughs> with no regards for the games. Mm. Playing hungover, still drunk? Question mark. For many early weekend games. The manager house was always the party spot and we enabled them in every way on a road trip to Chicago. I needed to pick up an assistant coach from a girl's room before her boyfriend got back. I blame all of us (laughs) managers for all the shortcomings of that team. Wow. That is, that is something else, man. Way to take the blame too. That he said, he said big 10 school, high profile coach. I mean, that could honestly be anybody on it. I mean, I would say most of the Big Ten schools are high-profile coaches. And it was an assistant anyway, so I think we're in the clear on that one, right? We're good. I'm trying to think about like what timeline that is uh, of like a really good team in the Big Ten. Mm, I don't know. He said this was a lawless time, which, like, by the way, <laughs> is there ever law in college yeah, basketball? Yeah. Like, the, the whole, well, the law the is coming. The FBI is coming. We're, we're about to get yeah, into the true. law era of college basketball where we have no one that plays anymore. They're all in the G League. But, uh, yeah, this is this has got to be mid-2000s. <laughs> you heard it here first. Right? Yeah. So uh, our, our timeline is like 1906 to 2017 is what you're saying. Yeah. Somewhere in there. A high profile coach. Um, after playing in Tampa, I go out with the student radio guys for my 21st birthday. We are in Weber city. I don't know what that means. Um, 
and meet these Russian chicks who <laughs> offer to take us to the hotel at the end of the night. Once we get to their car, we realize that they are pretty much living out of it. Clothes are everywhere. Mm. But we get in anyway, and the girl is driving, doing like 60 to 70 through downtown Tampa at 3 a.m., blowing red lights. It wasn't pretty. The girls end up staying in the hotel, drink all the mini bottles and $10 candy bars, and oh. we can't get them to leave in the morning. Coach finds out about the $200 in hotel extra charges and made me run for an hour at the next practice. That's what? Intense, what are these managers I, I, doing? You know, like How did you stay on, on the team, man? Yeah, how did, like, I don't understand how you stay on the team. Yeah, you have to. That's get, incredible. Like you got to get fired for that when you're like, yeah, I had these two Russian women in the room and they spent two hundred dollars. That, that sounds like the end of the road for these for homeless some, Russian women. <laughs> for someone that's supposed to like M&Ms clean the my... jerseys and do, like towels and stuff, that sounds like a like you stepped <laughs> over the bounds there. You, you know what program I think this was Duke. I think this was this definitely. <laughs> That sounds like it. Yeah, like Duke's managers, they they literally just like wipe up sweat and sprint to the locker room after the games. Like that's their jobs. And then you got these other at these other schools, guys are picking up homeless Russian people and giving them M and M's from the hotel. Candy yeah, bar. what in the hell? Oh, oh I love man. it. Um, I spent three years as an intern on a Big Ten team. Most of my responsibilities included stuff on the recruiting side, helping with alumni events and various projects for the coaching staff. One day, an older assistant coach asked me to research and type out an itinerary for a trip to this touristy Midwestern town, specifically to make it aesthetically appealing in a Word document. I spent so much time doing exactly that and gave it back to him. This whole time, I'm assuming it's for a team trip. But when he got the itinerary, he thanked me and said he couldn't wait to go on this anniversary trip with his wife. (laughs) (laughs) He was definitely the type of coach that always gave interns the most random projects, but this but it, the job was worth it for the perks alone. That one, that was kind of funny. Yeah, it's so just coach not, is basically like. Yeah, it's just basically yeah. like you're gonna do my bitch work. So I mean, congratulations, way yeah. to go. That's that's standard. That's what an intern uh, two does. Two buddies and I, two buddies and I run the student section at a Pac-12 school. We went to McHale last year for our school's game against Arizona, but we didn't have tickets. Working with our school's basketball director of ops and managers, we impersonated managers, carried in players' bags, and proceeded to stand courtside at McHale for the entire game after going through the tunnels with the team. At multiple points, Arizona managers came up and asked who we were, to which we just told them we were managers. <laughs> then they asked us all the all these questions we definitely didn't know the answers to, but we played it off and may or may not have told them that a coach on our team needed us there for moral support. And we were the quote mental health managers. Mm. They bought it. We we won the game, and we proceeded to party with the team in the locker room post game. That's pretty cool. That's so pretty it's not cool. it's not a manager story. That's a fake manager story. Yeah, it, yeah. They had the easy awesome. answer. If they asked them what they were doing, to say we're we're concussion protocol. Concussion protocol. There you That's go. all I got to do. And then people awesome. were just like, yeah, probably. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> so being around the coaches and players so much, we obviously follow all of each other on social media. Well, a certain men's assistant coach for a high level D one team who is married with children not only follows and likes k (laughs) not only follows and likes the ku boobs account all the time but will comment on models pictures and tweet with tweets with kissy faces and hearts we are not sure if he knows that other people can see this if he just doesn't give a shit (laughs) all right all right mark gottfried stop it do you, by the way, do you know about the KU boobs account? No. What is that? Are you aware of this? No. So I, I came across this. This must have been like four years ago, maybe. There's a Twitter account run by Kansas fans. It's basically women Kansas fans taking pictures of their cleavage with a Kansas t-shirt on. They'll wear like a V-cut t-shirt with like a Jayhawk <laughs> on it. 
They take a picture of their cleavage. They send it to this oh KU boobs God. account, and then that's all it is. It's just pictures of Kansas women showing their cleavage. It's a, it's a, it's an incredible. It's literally exactly what I just described. You're thinking there's got to be more to it. You're gonna go check it out. You'll be like, no, that's that's. There's no it face. Is. It's just boobs. No, it's just boobs. It's 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 Kansas boobs. That's all it is. It's <laughs> it's funny. So there you go. Um, I think it's still going on. I haven't seen I haven't seen KU boobs in a long time, but I, I remember coming across it like four years ago. It's still there. It's producer Kyle says it's still there. Good. Uh, I was a manager at this Big Ten school for two years before I took an editor position at the school paper and played pickup on several occasions with Mark Titus and Greg Owen. Hey, I know those guys. Wait a se- wait a second. I hacked the shit out of Greg a couple times and feared for my life, but was just trying not to get dunked on. I was on Mark's team, and if we were going on a three-on-one or even a four-on-one fast break, as I would streak to the basket, Mark would just pull up from three without hesitation and drain it 80% of the time. This would piss me off because I rarely got the ball in these games because I was the least skilled of all the managers. But somehow, I feel like Mark knew this, which is why he kept the ball, not because of his unwavering confidence in the talents of the managers. Really, I just wanted to write this so yeah, Mark for yourself. wrote to Tate that he's a good basketball. You're welcome. Oh, nice. So this is an Ohio State. I, I don't remember this happening, Tate, but uh, I, I chose to include this one because, yeah, for obvious reasons. Of course. Yeah. Congratulations. Nice. By the way, the Ohio State... I want to give a shout out to our Ohio State basketball managers. These dudes, when I played, we had just like a bunch of degenerate, drunk fat asses that couldn't play basketball to save their lives. I was at the, I was at Ohio State practice the other day. Like those guys can play, man. The managers that Ohio State has now, they have some serious game. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't hey, follow the manager game. Hey, Mark but- Titus, you have the number one, the number one pick as one of the managers. Of course, they can play. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking. I was like, who's this seven foot guy out there? That's dunking <laughs> so on that guy this, looks this, like this, Odin, this man. This really guy's hurt. crazy. Um, our out, our most outstanding player would get a blowjob before every game. <laughs> Conference tourneys. <laughs> By the way, I'm like reading these. I have like my brain turned off. I'm just reading these so I, I don't mess up the words. And it takes me like a half second for it to register what I'm oh. actually reading. This is this is awesome. Our most outstanding player would get a blowjob before every game. Conference tourney semifinal was a noon tip. I got off the elevator two minutes before we were supposed to be on the team bus, and he was heading back up to his room with his partner du jour and told me that I had to stall for him. I did some laps in the lobby, then could not have put my bags on the bus any slower. I let the player walk on the bus before me, so the only person the coach said something to about being late was me. That is that is sacrifice. That's right teamwork. Give this man a raise. Yeah, that's teamwork. That is teamwork. Congratulations. I like Let's that. Let's take one for the team. That's a good manager story. While at a D3 basketball program, we returned to the gym from the track at 6.30 in the morning, and all the players found their wallets and phones missing. After loading 20-plus kids into three cars, we started tracking the phones to find my iPhone, and we found that they were roughly 20 blocks away. The head coach was on a recruiting trip, and the assistant texted him, updating him about the situation, and his response was, great team bonding, with an exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) What? About... about about 30 minutes later, we finally tracked down a drugged out homeless man on a stolen bike with the phones and wallets in a stolen backpack. There was a verbal confrontation in the street before the man launched the bag over a nearby fence and rode off on the bike. <laughs> One morning the following week, police visited the morning workout and we had to identify the man out of a lineup. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> man. So do you think the coach was in on this? He, he, so the head coach, you basically text the coach, you're like, coach, we lost all of our... All of our stuff, and, and he's like, and "Yeah, good." Can't find it. He's like, "Good, go find it." This is great team bonding. Oh um, man, that's awesome. Let me see here. 
I thought they were going to say that the, the guy on the bike had like arrested. He was like a, a manager they put in, you know, and dressed him up to steal all the stuff. And then they, they he was like willing to go to jail for the team. That would have been good. Uh, a significant player was jostling for a rebound in practice and got hit in the nuts. He laid there for a good several minutes, really playing it up as play was halted. Coach walked up to him and said, it's okay. You probably already have enough kids. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wow. Holy shit. That is something else. Who, is that Stallball? Who, who, uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you which coach that was. <laughs> that sounds like Stallings. That, that, that's perfect. That's a Stallings move. All right, we're, these are my these are the, these are my three favorites. We're we're getting down to the end. I was a basketball manager for a successful SEC program for two years. I was on campus over the summer taking summer classes and fulfilling my manager duties. One night, I was at the basketball facility late into the night, burning the midnight oil, studying for some bogus class. It was my night to do the laundry, and I was finishing up the coach's laundry and was about to take it up to their locker room. At this point, it's about one a.m. and other than maybe a janitor, I thought that there I was for sure the only one in the facility. Given, given that this was in the heart of the summer. I take the laundry still warm and fresh up to the coach's locker room, and to my surprise, I find the head coach of our team at his locker butt naked, a dip in his lip, drinking a Coors Light, watching Shark Week. <laughs> we talked about it for five minutes. We talked for five minutes mainly about how much he loves Shark Week. Then he threw me his towel, and I went on my merry way. <laughs> oh, my God. That <laughs> was an... To recap, that's an SEC program for those of you. Yeah, that are good, to connect good the plug for uh, Grizzly Dip and uh, for Shark Week. There yeah. you go. Uh, my freshman year, we had a big recruit in more than one way. He had trouble keeping his weight down. Very dominant and skilled, but his conditioning was terrible. If he played a whole four-minute segment, he started lagging by the end of it, and he had to sit the whole next four minutes of game time. One day at pregame meal midseason, the coach eats last and sees that the entire platter of cookies is gone. He asked the room, where are all the cookies? An assistant coach mentions he saw the player take a couple. So the coach asks, blank, did you take any cookies? The player responds, no. So the coach goes, so you're telling me if I go to your locker right now, I won't find the entire platter of cookies. The player is adamantly saying no. The coach goes to the locker room next door. Everyone follows. (laughs) And underneath one jacket in the locker is an entire platter of cookies. He proceeds to yell, blank, what the fuck? You're such a fucking fat ass. And both storm out in opposite directions. <laughs> Needless to say, the player didn't show up for the game that night and withdrew from school the next day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. I was going to guess who that was, but I don't know who dropped out, you know, like who quit. Just like it was like, Dude, I just is this, cookies Is this what we were talking about on the uh, the pod last week? Was this uh, Does this sound like the uh, Josh Smith offered situation? Yeah, it could be. Could that's be. my guess. Yeah, I'm going that's with going. That. Yeah, he transferred to Georgia. That's my guess. But yeah, again, this is speculation. So <laughs> Steve, Al- Steve Alford's lawyers, don't come at me. I'm, I'm tagging this as speculation. Calm down, everybody. Uh, all right, this is my last favorite one. Every day after practice, they would have lunch or dinner waiting in the locker room for us. The order in which we were allowed to get our food was players, coaches, friends, and, and family of the coaches, and then managers. We had to be sure that all the players had eaten before we took any food. On this particular day. They had brought in fried chicken from the player's favorite restaurant. It was about an hour after practice, so myself, a junior manager, and another manager who was rather hefty decided to grab some chicken. The fat manager had taken a large portion, leaving no more chicken. We sat down in some lazy boys in the locker room lounge watching TV with our starting point guard. 
A minute later, one of our freshman players emerges from the locker room and heads to the food. He notices all the chicken and gone is gone and turns to us and yells, who took all the fucking chicken? <laughs> My, myself and the junior manager begin to apologize and explain we had thought all the players had eaten since it had been such a long time. However, the fat manager is sitting there smiling and not apologizing. <laughs> Two quick important notes about this fat manager before I continue. One, our head coach is required required us to wear full suit and tie to every game we worked. This manager showed up wearing a bolo tie to our first game. <laughs> and two, a few days before this chicken story took place, the team was watching film from practice. Caught on film was this freshman player scrimmaging against the fat manager. He tried to cross him over and shot a fadeaway but missed. And our coach yelled, you can't even score on the fat manager. Our coach actually called him the fat manager. This wasn't. This isn't a nickname I'm giving him. Anyways, fast forward back to the story. The player proceeds to jump on top of this manager and punch him. The lazy boy is sitting and tips over, and they're now on the ground. Myself and the other manager freeze. Meanwhile, our starting our starting point guard is laughing his ass off and pulls out his phone to record the fight. Eventually, we break up the fight. I thought surely that the player would be in trouble, but a few days later, the fat manager was fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, don't eat the so chicken. That's, it, Tate. that's a life story. That's a manager story. That's good. That's, that's it. That's some dirty so, laundry. Very well done. Thanks to again. Send us DM us all your stories if you want to do that. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing this all week. This is my favorite segment that we have. Um, you got anything else? We 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 we've we've talked forever. We need to wrap this up. Yeah, quickly, just shout outs. Uh, I want to shout out Nevada. We we talked about them last time on the podcast. They lost to Wyoming, so I apologize for cursing you guys. Um, and then just uh, do you have any more shout outs? And then we'll just go to the games to watch out for this weekend. No, I just yeah, I was just gonna say games to watch, like because uh, this is important. This is a big weekend for college basketball. Um, NC State at Carolina. Is this a rivalry game? Yes, definitely. Definitely. There's actually okay. some people that hate NC State more than Duke these days. So uh it'll be I was a gonna deal. I was I was trying to give you an I was trying to give you an opportunity to say no and then piss off all the practice. Well, people. it's not a rivalry That's, to me. I've never felt that way ever in my life. Okay. Because I'm they're a public school, we're a public school where you're supposed to like each other, but they're too stupid to know that. So next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, NC State plays at Carolina on CBS at noon. That is the J V game. The varsity game on CBS at two PM is Virginia at Duke. That's the game of the year to me at least. Mm-hmm. Uh in college basketball. We're going to learn a lot about both of these teams. Virginia has been playing out of their minds. Uh, we're going to see if Virginia, are they going to give them the Tony? Hold them under 20 points. Duke is starting to figure it out defensively. We're going to find out for real if they actually are figuring it out defensively or if they were just playing shitty teams the last few games. Um, although Miami was pretty good. They, they played well against Miami. So that's that's definitely the game to watch. Uh, Oklahoma plays at Alabama Saturday as well. 215 on ESPN. Colin Sexton versus Trey Young Tate. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be great. That, that's one of the best matchups in the country. Those are two guys that are going to be in the NBA next year. So uh, for people that don't, don't really care about college basketball and just want to watch two guys that will be in the NBA, just watch that game, Sexton versus Young. It'll be fun. Uh, and then Kentucky versus West Virginia is like the primetime game Saturday night. Uh, it's it's not as It's not as big of a deal as it should be, I don't think. Like it, a month ago, this would have been an awesome game. Um, West Virginia is kind of sliding a little bit. Kentucky, not a very good basketball team. I'm, I don't need to belabor that point that I've I've made a thousand times on this podcast. But still, it it, sh- it could be a good game. Kentucky, West Virginia, uh, plenty of jokes to be made on Twitter. So check out your favorite hacky uh, college basketball 
joke makers, which I guess you're listening to them right now on a podcast. <laughs> so see what we have to say about that during the Kentucky West Virginia game. Uh, Vill- Villanova's at Marquette on Sunday at one. That'll there, there will be a thousand point score. We didn't even talk about Phil Booth, by the way, breaking his hand. Uh, yeah, for Villanova, but it's a lot of weird injuries yeah. going on with Villanova. I, I, I'm worried about them, but I, I think they'll figure it out. Yeah. And then the last two rivalry games: Purdue at Indiana on Sunday. Indiana is not very good. They lost to Illinois. It was Brad Underwood's first Big Ten win. So now we're we're, we are now at the point where uh, Chris Mullen and Kevin Stallings are the two coaches left in power conference schools who have not won a conference game yet. So keep an eye on that. But uh, Indiana kind of sucks this year. Archie Miller hates his team. It's pretty obvious if you watch him play. But but it is Assembly Hall Tate. It is a top five team, and it is a rivalry game. So who the hell knows what's going to happen there? That's Sunday. And then Kansas is at Kansas State on Monday. Uh, so those are those are the games. If you have no idea what to watch, watch some of those. We'll be talking about those on Tuesday. Anything else you got, Tate? No, I, I've had a great time. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, Send us listening your guys. manager stories. Thanks to everyone who listens. Thanks to everyone who interacts with us. We, we love you guys. And uh, until next time, stay the crew.